This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome to The Culture Code. I'm excited for our guest today. She is the Chief People Officer at NerdWallet, Lene Luque. Lene, welcome. And where are you joining from today? I'm joining from a small town in California called Lodi. Lodi. So tell us, where is Lodi? California is a big state. Where's Lodi? Lodi is about 90 minutes east of San Francisco. It sits on top of what we call our kind of breadbasket of California. So lots of agricultural work that happens here. And I always say that we grow my favorite thing, which is wine grapes. Ooh. So is one of the largest producers in the United States of wine grapes and Zinfandel is the specialty. Very nice. Very nice. I'm more of a red myself, but I uh, appreciate all of that. I, there's another, a lot of people don't know that in the beyond the Bay Area, in that part of California, the agriculture is so strong. And I remember the first time I drove through Gilroy, the odor I smelled was what, Lene? What did I smell? Garlic. <laughs> garlic. <laughs> I think it's like the garlic capital of the world, and you literally could smell it in the air. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I know everyone confuses, you know, our great cities that we have on the coast, San Francisco and LA, and there is just a different and enriched, you know, kind of farm and agricultural part of the state as well. So I love it. I love it. So let's start at the very beginning. Nerd Wallet. So a lot of people will be familiar with your company, but maybe some others out there are not. So what does Nerd Wallet do? Where's headquarters? How big are you guys? Yeah. So Nerd Wallet, we are a platform where we provide financial guidance, financial information to consumers. So people like me and you as well as small and medium businesses. Our mission is to provide clarity for all of life's financial decisions. And as you can imagine, that is very important right now. And in oversimplified terms, this is like if you're looking for a credit card with a really good <laughs> balance transfer um, rate, if you're looking for that home equity line of credit because nobody can move anymore and you just want to make your house really nice, uh, you can find information on our platform around those topics. We're about 750 employees. Most of our employees really do center in the United States. A few years ago, we turned to a remote first company. So answering the question around headquarters is a little bit trickier than it used to be. Uh, we consider San Francisco still a headquarters. However, over 50% of our folks are working from home, working from smaller towns like Lodi um, and not the big city like San Francisco. I'm glad you shared the uh, the remote first part of, of um, because we're talking about culture. And I think among chief people officers and everyone at HR, I mean, it's just such a hot topic right now and no one right answer, right? If there was, we'd all be doing the same thing. But to understand the rest of our conversation in that context of remote first, I think is really important. So how would you describe the culture at NerdWallet? So for this one, I always say first, how do I define culture? And to me, I took this from an article many, many years ago. Simple form or simple definition for me is how we do things around here. And that shows up in how we behave, 
the processes and programs that we build, as well as our day-to-day interactions or practices. And when I think about what our mission is and what we provide to consumers, I'm not surprised about how I describe the culture internally to NerdWallet. I consider us extraordinarily thoughtful and responsible because we are trying to help consumers with some of the most overwhelming topics, financial topics in their life. I also think that we push for transparency as well as accuracy. This really is like the founding of why we do this is because financial topics are always so opaque and confusing. And you try to open up an article and understand something. And I feel like there is um, that people are designing this so you don't understand um, the topic. And really, when Tim started the company, it's like, whoa, let's try to take that away so that everyone can have a chance to make really great decisions. And that is just like permeates throughout our culture, that transparency, that accuracy, that responsibility that we have. Yeah. And even from the outside, I mean, I I didn't know those particular traits, but that transparency and I think what NerdWallet, what I've seen for many years now is such a trusted um, advisor and simplifies things. Right. And so, you know, I have um, three kids who are all in various stages of adulting. So just in the last couple of years, it's like best college credit cards, mortgage rates, new car, used car, all this stuff. Well, if you just do a normal search, you're going to get overwhelmed with all kinds of data. You don't really know where it's from. And NerdWallet just simplifies it. And it's it's trustworthy. And it's great that that mission is really taken to heart. But how does 750 employees remote first, which is another challenge, and you're trying to make sure that whether they're a new joiner or a veteran, they're living the culture, how we do things, right? I had an old friend who said culture was very similar to what you said, Lene. Culture is how we do things around here, especially when no one's watching. <laughs> so how do you foster that kind of culture at NerdWallet? What do you do? Luckily, even when I joined, I joined about three years ago, the values were so strong here. I really consider us a values-driven company. And that underpins how we behave, whether people are watching or not watching, how we build programs and processes, how we interact and have those practices. And so one of the things that we've done is look at the end-to-end employee life cycle and say, how do we infuse our values into everything that we're doing end-to-end for folks? So if you were a new joiner trying to become a nerd, we have a values-based interview guide. So our managers, anyone that is sitting on the interview panel has not only a set of questions that they can ask to assess your functional expertise, but also also has a set of questions to uncover how aligned you are and how you can add to our values and ultimately our culture here. This goes into performance reviews as well. It goes into our development curriculum And it also goes into fun stuff that we do. So one of my favorite programs that we have is two times a year, we celebrate people for living our values. It's called What Good Looks Like. And so employees nominate each other for living the values. And we have winners at the team level. And then we have one ultimate winner at the company level that's celebrated by Tim and everyone. And it's not just a celebration. We we describe exactly what they did living the values. And we try to tell people that this could be role models, right? And repeated. So it's really just like an informal, 
fun thing we do. And you'll hear that around NerdWall all the time. Even in a tense situation, we'll come back to and we'll be like, what does good look like? What's good look like? And come back to our values, right? One of our five values as like that guiding light. What good looks like the twice a year you 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 hold it? What, I'm just curious. Uh, what does the winner get? Sort of bragging rights, a little certificate. Like, what does the winner winner get? Well, it's definitely bragging rights. If you scroll through our LinkedIn, I you know I was so proud and like smile you know big smile came on my face. Um, one of our winners like posted on LinkedIn on how they won this, and we set it up. Their peers have to create a business case of like how they're living the value. And so they're able to just cut and paste, like, this is the value. This is what my peers thought that I was doing. And I'm so proud. So definitely bragging rights. You get a ton of visibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do have a small prize that people win. Uh, It's not a trophy, although I'm starting to think about how do we get like a, what good looks like trophy or stuffed animal or something. Right. I just got, I'm scribbling all kinds of notes on it because um, people listening probably think I'm just, you know, have, having fun. But I'm fascinated by by recognition because one of the most popular pieces of advice when I'm doing talks and stuff is when I talk about strategic recognition, where obviously recognition always feels good, but it's an opportunity. And I say what you call your program. It, it shows others what good looks like. There's results, but then also how you get results. And so anytime you can thank someone for a behavior and achievement and link it back to a core value, you just turned regular recognition into even more powerful strategic recognition. And of course, the real reward, it's never a gift certificate or it's not about money or any of that. It's just knowing that people care, noticed and care about you and what you did. But increasingly, so I've been kind of anti like the trophy idea, whether it's a trophy or whatever, but increasingly... I've realized that those kinds of physical artifacts, especially if they're left in the office, they become powerful symbols for others to see. Oh, we recognize, you know, values twice a year. Oh, Lene did this great job. It's a great icebreaker for new joiners. How'd you get that trophy, right? And so as I'm thinking about, you know, our our own work in this, the recognition and the process is always going to be the biggest reward, but it's kind of like, hmm, there could be some stuffed animal, weird prize thing that gets handed out that becomes legendary, you know, throughout. Now, we don't have, most of us don't hang out in a physical office, but if I got something, if you gave me something, it'd be right behind my bookshelf. So people would know that I'm a a champion of the culture, you know? Yeah. And we have to think about that for remote, just as you said, like I have a N, I don't know if you could see it. Oh, Oh, yeah. Behind me. Um, And it was, you know, given to me for some for something when I first joined and stuff, but our team is consistently thinking about that. How do we translate all of our rewards and recognition to that remote friendly? And it used to be stickers. I don't know if you saw that, but it used to be that you'd put stickers. Oh yeah. And you running from meeting to meeting and you can see all the really cool stickers. It's like, how do we recreate that concept? That's right. And I want to make sure, especially for people who are listening and, and can't see it, you pointed to an N, N as in nerd wallet, over your shoulder, which is sort of like on a plaque. And but and, and what it tells me also is like when we give certificates or something like that, often it's the writing like, oh, Kevin graduated. Well, you can't read that at a distance. And so yours is great. It's a big green N. And so what is the logo, the symbol, some other thing that people would be able to put behind them on a Zoom call that everyone could still recognize exactly what that is? Wow, what a fun tangent we just went down to. So let me shift gears, Lenny. So 
you've heard the podcast you mentioned. Um, and so you know that I'm a nut about manager training, leadership development, especially frontline leaders who are kind of the culture filter for 80% of your workforce. If you have about 750 employees, I'm just guessing that you've got about 100, give or take, 125 managers. And so that's a lot of managers, but you're a small company. You don't have a big budget, I bet, to do leadership development. So how are you developing and supporting your leaders? Yeah, well, first things first is we want to make sure that our managers are getting the feedback that they need and and they deserve, right, to do their job. So two times a year, we do do an engagement survey. Mm -hmm. And the engagement survey results will be given to managers, anyone with four or more direct reports, because it's anonymous and confidential. Um, But even if they don't get their own report, they could look at the laddered up reports. So that's one way without a big budget, right, is like, how do we consistently give you the feedback that you need? But we also do invest in manager uh, training. So we have a new manager training as well as just a general manager training that we conduct two times a year. So, you know, it's not conducted seven or eight times um, like it was when I was at a really huge company like Intel. Uh, But we do it strategically right after our evaluation period, our company evaluation period, so that people know like, what do I need to work on? Okay, mm-hmm. now I'm again in this class about manager training and, and work on those skills. So we do do that. It's homegrown, right? So we're conducting it ourselves and we're taking the topics based on that nerd voice feedback and any feedback we're getting mm-hmm. from managers. And the largest part is our just-in-time offerings that we have. So we put together homegrown trainings or facilitated sessions that align exactly with what's going on right now. So if we're asking you to do feedback, here's a feedback module. If we're asking you to take these nerd voice results and action plan, we're going to do a module on how you action and how you set goals. So really, that's where a lot of the informal day-to-day, I'm in the trenches as a manager, training comes from is that really just-in-time aligned with whatever's going on in the business. Yeah, that, that's great. And and again, for the listeners, I think, you know, you sort of downplayed this, but what I think is genius that I don't see in most places is make sure the managers are getting their engagement results, their manager effectiveness scores, et cetera. Too often I see that those results are not shared and they're separate, completely separate from the development exercises. So it's like employee experience is siloed over here and they just think their jobs to send surveys. Leadership development is siloed over here and they're disconnected from the feedback that the managers are getting. So they just give whatever whatever they give. Just the fact that you are giving that feedback and linking it together, I think is um, really, really important. And you, you mentioned, I love the terminology, you know, your, your nerd voice, you know, the, the employee voice survey a couple times a year. Are there other ways you're gathering data about your, your culture as well? Yeah, so we have some informal mechanisms that, you know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes keep me on my toes So we use Slack, like many other companies, and about once a quarter, we do an open Ask Me Anything. So we dedicate one hour where all of the executives will be on Slack, and we're encouraging, soliciting, asking employees to ask us anything. And we answer real time. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there, like, giving responses, no matter what the questions are, Super simple questions to really complex, difficult, 
decisions that we're making. And so that happens informally, as well as we have town halls that are on about a monthly cadence. Mm. And as part of our town hall, we open up a Q&A and we open it up about an hour before the town hall. And we start to collect questions and we answer those questions real time, right when we're done with town hall content. So as you can imagine, I think so much rich, real-time feedback comes from these open Q&A sessions, and it just supplements what we start hearing in their voice, um, which are more of the two times, six months, every six month feedback. Of course, you know, we have five values, like I said. One of our values is open, candid, and constructive. And we call each other out on that all the time. You know, how could we be more... OCC. So we do everything as an acronym here, right? Um, And it's just like, are they being OCC? Uh, How can we be more OCC? So it can show up as well in just our everyday interactions. When I go back to that simple version of culture, right? How we around here, how we interact with each other, how we behave. Um, So we really lean on our values again to bring out that feedback. I love it that, um, you know, values are taken seriously when it becomes part of the jargon, part of the, you know, the, your nerds are talking about OCC, like it all, to an outsider, it's like, what? You know, but it makes sense internally. Internally, I love it. You you covered like a lot of great stuff already. Is there any other programs or initiatives that, you know, you're especially proud of, or you just want to make sure we put a spotlight on? Yeah, one of the things that I personally love doing and bring with me to every company, every organization that I'm a part of is really weaving our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging into everything that we do. So often, I think it's easy for organizations to keep it as a separate thing, as you mentioned before with some other stuff. And here, I really believe that the way that we can be effective is if we just weave it in. Mm-hmm. to all our day-to-day, all our day-to-day practices. So, you know, we take that to heart here. We have a really great ESG report that mm-hmm. is out there and our DEIB efforts is one of the spotlights, one of the highlights that we're proud of here, as well as we do a special development program for our mid-level employees. So usually, like you said, managers and leaders get the training that is available, Mm -hmm. even if you have a really small budget, the budget usually goes to that cohort. And sometimes we forget about those folks that are in the middle and they haven't quite reached management. They're not on the cusp of leadership, but we want them to be prepared uh, for when those opportunities come up. And that's where we find a lot of our drop-off in diversity. So we decided to target an effort. We don't want drop-off. We want retention. We want you to be developed and ready for that big position. So we run a career advancement program that has historically been about a year long. We're going to do it six months now, shorten it a bit, make it more efficient. But really just having that investment and that spotlight on that cohort of employees has been something that I'm personally proud of. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Let's switch to some little bit more fun, a little bit more fast questions maybe. Starting with, what if I gave you a magic wand and you could wave it and like every nerd read a particular book or listened to a podcast or something, some piece of media that you wanted them to consume, what would you send everyone? Wow, this is, you, you included podcasts in there and I always think that's fun. But book-wise, I, I do have books. 
ton of books behind me. I'm moving aside for those on the podcast. And all the books that I have behind me are related to work. Uh, One of my favorites that I think is really relevant right now because of the macro environment, as well as what we're doing here in NerdWallet, is the classic Mindset by Carol Dweck. So it's really the fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And why I think that's relevant to nerds right now is because there is so much uncertainty out there. What skills are relevant? What is that new thing? We're talking about AI. How's that going to change my job? How's that going to change everything that I'm doing? How the economy is reacting? How our services and offerings and products need to look different based on what's going on? And I think it's, it's so easy for people to fall into that fixed mindset. Right. And right now, if we want to continue to build a really great company and have a great offering for our consumer, it's about embracing the growth mindset and seeing these things as as challenges that we can adapt to. Yeah, very timely. I mean, it's it, I can't remember what year that book came out, but it feels like more fresh and relevant today than when it first came out. Right. You're coming off as cool, calm and collected, Lene. Like you've got this culture stuff all figured out. What's something that you know now that maybe you wish you knew when you first became a chief people officer? I want you to send a Slack message to the younger version of yourself. What would you say? So I think one of the things that um, is maybe a misnomer is we call this role chief people officer, which makes it seem that our contribution and our day-to-day is mostly going to be around the people agenda. And I would say it's been opposite for me. The two times that I've been in this role, I very much find myself in more of the general manager Mm. uh, mindset and, you know, kind of skill set that I'm leaning on way more than just the stuff that I learned when I was growing up as a people partner um, or in HR. So we have to go toe-to-toe with the CFO, with the compensation committee, because most chief people officers have purview over salary expense, real estate expense, and workplace expenses are huge line items. And it's not enough to just go in and say, I think this is right for people, or this is right for the values. No, we have to do the, you know, the dollars and cents of what's right for us as an organization, our culture, and what's also business feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that is a totally different thought than I had thought, you know, than heading into this role. I didn't know I'd have to be you know, just as good with the numbers as a CFO at times, um, as well as like assessing risk, mm-hmm. and thinking about our con- and compliance, needing to go toe-to-toe with general counsel and having enough just skill set there, as well as communications. It's, as you know, all of these things that are coming through the external world, our employees really expect us to have a point of view and to have a sense of communications. You know, that's something that it's like, I have to sit side by side with our head of comms to have a really strong opinion based on business. So less about chief people officer and more just this chief, like general manager around everything that can happen in a company. And um, it's fun. I love variety. It's what keeps me in this role. But it's not necessarily the direction I thought it was going to go in when I first you know, took the role. Yeah, I, you're the first to give that kind of an answer. I really respect it because um, even CPOs, I hear a lot, will talk about, oh, you know, I don't have a voice or I, don't, I have the C-level title, but it's not at that 
level. And whether it's their organization or they haven't earned it yet, like you clearly, you're a C-level leader at, and forget about the people part. Not that this, but it's like, that's the secondary. The C is the primary, right? And you've obviously learned, you know, and 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 embraced that and and grown into that and are, you know, a valued partner at that C-level. And I think that's great advice for others is like, if you're not there yet, that's where you should be getting to. If you're not having, if you're not being invited into these conversations, if you're not having a challenging conversation with legal or comms or others, okay, why not? Why aren't they bringing you in on that? And it's, I think you're going to motivate some people to think about their role and their, their level of contribution. We we're talking here. It just turned November. I can't believe it. Where is this year going? So next year is going to be here any day now. (laughs) So in your role, like what are you and your team going to focus on next year? What's sort of a priority? That's so cool. We just landed on some of our big rock priorities for 2024. It goes back to something you said earlier. We're going to keep our foot on the gas around manager development. Mm. We have a new org structure here and I'll give the headline. It really relies on local decision making more so than we have in the past. Mm. And I believe, you know, many managers have been successful because they are given the answer or they're given, here's the cascaded message, say this, manager. And we're pushing more towards understand what's going on and make a local decision because you are best equipped, you're closest to the problem or to the opportunity. And so we're going to approach manager development from that lens for 2024. How do we equip them? How do we give them the information so they can make more local decisions. The other thing is we just want to get more flexible in our staffing. As I said, we're mostly US centric right now. Mm. And how do we, you know, leverage other workforces outside mm. of the US for our goals? Um, so that's going to be a big, you know, conversation, whether that's outsourced or vendor yeah. or an actual full-time employee in another region or area. And as you can imagine, that's a whole different skill set. We're remote, but it's like now the complexity of time zones, potentially of culture, of language. So there's going to be a really cool opportunity there. Um, as well as our third one, so we always do three. Our third one is how do we continue to make sure that all of our practices are aligning to a performance-based culture? And a big area or big way that companies can do this is how do you design your total rewards? Mm, yeah. Reinforcing whatever performance you want from a company. And we've been on that journey for about three years, but we're going to take some, some bigger swings around how to make that more obvious for people in 2024. That's great. What, what about the company overall with everything going on? Um, what are you most excited about for NerdWallet in the year ahead? I didn't mention this at the top, but um, I'm a new mom and I have a nine month old. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And so I had a bit of a break when I was on leave, a bit of a break from NerdWallet and it was about five months. And I shared with the organization when I came back, I was like, it's almost like a chance to see things with fresh eyes, like as a new employee. And one of the things that I was most excited about is how many new things we're pushing out for consumers. So most recently, we just um, launched a, a credit card. Nerd yeah. that, that was, a, it was barely a concept before I went on leave. And so the speed of just 
what we're shipping for consumers is just incredible. And, and I think it's really great. So I'm excited about that. What more? We have a lot of stuff that's in the wings and stuff um, just to make everything in finances easier for folks. Um, so that's like number one. And then I, you know, I would just say continuing to do what you said at the top of the, of the call, which is just anything we offer. How do we make it trustworthy? How do we make sure that it's accurate? Um, how do we make sure that dads like you <laughs> are saying, yeah, read the nerd wallet article, um, not this other article because we trust the information there. Um, so having speed around offerings, offering more, but not losing that trustworthy, you know, kind of advice and guidance that we're, that we're giving. Yeah. A lot of exciting new things. Um, you mentioned that so much of your culture is about transparency and I feel like you've been super transparent with all of us and the listeners today. I've just learned in the last few interviews that I've, I've done, Lene, that like what I, I should even put this in the prep notes. What I'm really doing is I'm listening for ideas that other people can steal from you. And you gave us a bunch of stealable practices, stealable ideas. So that's a good chat. So thank you for being uh, so transparent with all that you're working on. Congratulations on on the success that your team has had and NerdWallet. And we'll check in on you probably in about a year. I wanna hear about some of these top three priorities, your top three rocks. How's that sound? Yep, sounds good to me. Awesome, thank you again. Thank you, thanks Kevin. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour-style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org. Thank you.